Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. Uh, this is a 12 days of the Comic Source episode. I'm finally getting a chance to talk about LA Comic Con. I sat down with the CEO of Kamikaze, who's the company that puts on uh, LA Comic Con. His name is Chris DeMolin. It was a very interesting conversation. The guy's been in the trade show business, the Comic Con business for over 25 years. And so he has a really interesting perspective on uh, what's going to happen to shows after the convention, the proliferation of shows, multiple shows every weekend uh, in terms of, you know, what used to be and what is now it's a, it's obviously a very different place. And now the pandemic has thrown a wrinkle into that. So it was great to sit down and talk to him Uh, as far as the show itself. uh, You know, I was only there on Saturday. I do feel like, it is a show you can do in one day if you don't have a lot of specific things to do. And what I mean by that is, so, so I went and I basically walked the show floor and I said hi to some people and I only had a, uh, you know, the interview with Chris scheduled and a, a couple of other obligations. And so it was easy for me to get it all done in one day. And I also wasn't doing any shopping there. Um, if it's like your hometown show and you want to, experience the whole sort of comic-con experience definitely a a show you're going to want to go to multiple days because you know if you're going to be diving into long boxes and what have you that that takes up a lot of time if you're going to go to panels you know that's going to pull you off of of you know the floor or if we'll go watch them at the main stage if you're going to get any autographs there's going to be you know time spent in line to do that so it, it sort of depends on your your priorities but if you just want to go and experience it for one day it's a great show in terms of, hey, I can sort of get all the different experience of Comic-Con. I can do a little shopping. I can see a couple panels. I can maybe meet a celebrity. I can take some pictures and see some cosplay. And uh, it, it definitely has everything that a, a big show has. The other thing it has, and Chris and I talk about this uh, in the interview, it has the main stage right on the, the floor, uh, which I, it's a very sort of LA Comic-Con thing. They've always had it. I, I sort of have mixed feelings about it. I like the fact that it's right there on the main floor. Chris talks about the fact that you don't have to go stand in line to see the biggest panels and then miss out on what's going on on the floor. Um, but at the same time, for the biggest panels, it, it creates a big sort of bottleneck and it makes the show floor loud at all times because um, there's always something going on in the main stage. So, yeah, I mean, there's pluses and minuses to it. I think it works for the size of the show that um, that LA Comic Con is. If it gets much bigger, I don't know how it'll work. The other thing that was weird this year is they they took the celebrities off the main floor and put them over in another area. I don't know if that was in terms of just not exposing the celebrities to as many people. Although you know they had plenty of safety procedures and health procedures in place, you had to show your vaccination card and your ID, and the names had to match, uh, and everybody had to have a mask on. But still, you know, people, a mask slips down here, there, masks on our 100% prevention against COVID and whatnot. So I wonder how much that played into moving the celebrities off the floor. Because there was a little room over there on, on that far side of the floor uh, where the celebrities usually are. But at the same time, the lines do get long. So I'll be curious to see if they have that continue uh, for next year. And then just in terms of, of whether I would go back and do the show for one day, I, I wouldn't. Um, just to give you kind of a behind the scenes, how the sausage is made. LA Comic-Con is not a show I can ever go and do for, for one day. And, and that's what I realized because let's face it. We all know that LA is kind of the entertainment capital of the world, 
which is why I think LA Comic-Con is uniquely situated to grow in a unique way and bring in a lot of different sort of fandoms. Uh, and so for me, that's a show where I, I can spend a lot of time networking, making contacts, doing that sort of thing, which isn't, you know, really going to help the, the typical fan, but I could have spent so much. I got invited to so many after parties and, uh, and cocktail mixers and what have you that, that even were happening during the day of the show. Um, and, but, you know, I, I, I left Phoenix at midnight drove overnight, gained an hour because of the time change difference. So even though it's a six hour drive, I got there at 5 a.m. I slept in my car for like two hours, uh, went and got my badge, went to the show, then went to dinner and then got on the road to come back to Phoenix at 11.30 p.m. Again, a six hour drive, but I lose an hour and I had to stop and sleep for an hour because I was falling asleep. So uh, it was an undertaking. It was an ordeal. Uh, and knowing that I put myself through that and then um, you know, thinking about the opportunities that I miss uh, for networking and making connections and whatnot. It, yeah, uh, you, I definitely won't ever do that show for one day. It's a multiple day show. Um, even if it's only, you know, go to the show, do most of the stuff I need to do on Saturday. And then, you know, kind of the, the after show stuff on Saturday night, the nightlife sort of thing, networking, what have you sleep in Sunday, put in an appearance at the show for a couple hours on, on Sunday afternoon or, or late Sunday morning and then drive back uh, is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, so I, I think it's a good show. I think it's growing. It'll be interesting to see what they do next year. They're, you'll hear Chris talk about it in the, in the interview as well. They don't know when their dates are. I sort of hope it's in uh, December rather than October. So it's not so close to New York comic-con, but I guess we'll see. It is a show I recommend. It, it still is, is you know, relatively inexpensive compared to some of the other bigger shows. There's a lot to offer, a lot of cosplay there, a lot of really great uh, cosplay. You even have uh, some professional cosplayers there that, that get booths. The artist Alley is big. Um, and what, the, one of the other things that's interesting about it is they actually sell booths inside the convention center. So if you need a little pick-me-up or uh, something to soothe your aching feet, um, they have beer and, and hard liquor and what have you that's sold uh, in the convention center, it's, it's spacious. I, I, despite the location, it's not, you know, the LA convention center is not in the best part of LA. I would even say downtown LA or what have you. The Staples Center is right there, and that's a, a nice arena. And they, they do have the Microsoft Center or whatever it's called the, right across the street that has a bunch of restaurants and whatnot. Um, and that area is kind of nice, but you go a couple blocks in either direction and it's, it's kind of seedy. Um, but that being said, I, I like the convention center itself. I like the parking. It's easy, easily accessible off the freeway. Uh, so yeah, the LA Comic-Con has a real, has a lot going for it. It's a, it's a good show. And I think it's only going to get better over time. Probably the place they have the most room for improvement. And I won't lay all the blame on them for this is the programming, uh, especially this year. In the past, programming has been better. This year, the programming was really light and it wasn't really that great to be honest but again i think covid and the fact that they had to keep shifting their date multiple times kind of hurt them in terms of of programming but room for improvement there uh, but like i said they've had some good uh, programming in the past and i i expect that to return so uh anyway uh, i'm gonna stop sock and i'll let you guys listen to krista mullen the ceo of kamikaze the guy that runs uh, la comic-con talk for a little bit uh, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Again, I think it's very informative and I uh, want to wish everyone happy holidays. Uh, thank you for tuning in as always. 
uh, and, and for tuning in throughout the year. Hope you're enjoying all the extra 12 days of the Comic Source content we're putting out, and we will talk to you next time. Hello, everyone. This is Jace from the Comic Source coming to you live from L.A. Comic-Con. I'm here with the CEO of Kamikaze Entertainment that puts on the show, Chris DeMullen. Chris, thanks for taking the time to, Absolutely, to sit down with me. Thanks for having me. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, the challenges of the, of the show. You, you've been gone. We were talking before we started recording. Uh, you were gone for over two years. Um, and then obviously there's still a pandemic going on mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of logistical things. Uh, so I want to kind of talk about that and the vibe of the show and, sure. and how um, people are, are responding. But before we do that, you know, I mentioned you're, you're the CEO of Kamikaze Entertainment. Real, real briefly, just let our listeners know, what is that? I mean, I know you wear many hats <laughs> that role, <laughs> running a convention, putting out fires left and right, but... Just give us a quick overview. Of, sure. Uh, well, Kamikaze, we're just a small local company. There's about 20 shareholders. Um, and it was the company was formed in 2010 um, because a sister and two brothers were very frustrated that for the second year in a row, they couldn't get tickets into their favorite Comic-Con that happens south of here. And so mm-hmm. they said, you know what? We'll start our own show. So they got some friends together. They raised a little bit of money. And they did the first show in 2011, actually in the basement of the building we're in now, in a hall called Kentia Hall. Um, and and they had about 18,000 people show up and two of those people were Stan Lee and Cassandra Peterson who's Elvira they both loved the show and got involved and that sort of helped it tick up so Kamikaze is really just the company that owns and operates Los Angeles Comic Con um, although we did just we announced this morning we're launching a second show in July that's going to be built around uh, voice actors in the animation anime and gaming industry um, but it's uh, it's just a we're just a group of Angelinos who are huge fans that had the good fortune to start a show that has you know picked up some momentum over the years okay so let's talk pre-pandemic you're talking to, you know 2011 is the first show 18,000 people now up through your your last show before the yep. world shut down in 2019 it grew every year yes it grew pretty much every year we had 123,000 people in 2019 um, which was terrific that was the most we'd ever had um, and had basically kind of doubled the first few years and then doubled again and and uh you know i think we just kept kind of expanding through all the south hall and and that whole side of the conference of the convention center um and um you know had some really exciting plans for 2020 and you know us like the whole rest of the world um covid intervened on that and so we've been working super closely with the convention center the la county department of public health ever since then because our number one goal has just been, look, we're not going to do a show till it's safe. And if, mm-hmm. whether that was a year or two years or three years, nobody knew when this started. Um, so this is actually the fourth date that this show has been on. We were originally September of 2020. Then we moved to December. We thought by then we might be able to do it. We had a plan in place. That didn't work out. We were going to be September this year and finally December. So what's so thrilling is that between the vaccinations and the willingness of the people here to embrace that um, and working with the city and the convention center on the protocol, calls we're you know we're able to set up a perimeter around the building everybody who comes in is proof of vaccination or a negative test the fans the exhibitors the talent everybody's been very um, embracing of that in fact most of them were insisting on us having fairly high standards um, everybody's wearing masks and um, you know we spread out over the whole convention center so we're in over a million square feet of space so there's a little more elbow room than people you know you sometimes get it for those of the that go to a lot of conventions you know Saturday afternoon at a convention can get a little cramped yeah. sometimes oh yeah so we're a little more spread out than that and and it's it's working great I mean I think people have just embraced that we have to we have to respect 
COVID and we have to respect the, the mask rule and, and uh, everybody's giving each other a little bit of space. But I'm, I'm quite confident that underneath those masks, everybody's smiling. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's, you have a choice. You either follow these protocols to keep everybody safe or you, you don't get to have the show or, or you choose not to come to the show. Right. And totally respect the people who choose not to come. I mean, that's one of the reasons, you know, we did some virtual shows, some digital shows during the COVID. And a lot of why we did it was just to learn how to do it because we knew when we got to the first show, not everybody would, would want to come. And so we're actually doing a lot of digital streaming. We have a lot of, we, we, we have over a hundred exhibitors in an online digital store. We had a digital-only ticket, so you could see everything on the main stage, everything on the on the gaming stage, and we actually built a cosplay stage because everybody likes to see the cosplay, right? So there's a constant stream of cosplay so that anybody could watch that online. And I think that's, you know, it's part of what we learned going through this waiting process of COVID is, is we have to stay together as a community. For a long time, we could do it only with technology. Now we can do it by actually coming together and augmenting that with technology, and I think, um, so we're having some fun playing with that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the, the main stage because I want to talk about that. Something very unique to, to LA Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but one more thing kind of about these, these challenges we're talking about. It wasn't only the challenges of, of COVID and, and making sure that everyone's vaccinated, wearing a mask, staying healthy. You guys, like we said, it was over two years. Uh, so in any way, did you, well, wait, how do we do this again? Or was it like riding a bike and everybody just kind of went back into their, their role? Uh, you know, it's, a fun, it's funny that you say that. We, we've had a couple of moments in the last 72 hours where, and we've been running this show for a long time. I've been in the trade show business for almost 20 years. I've probably run 500 shows, B2B shows and consumer shows. We had a couple of these moments where we're like, wait, how do we do this again? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, or we were setting up something at registration. We're like, wait a minute, we got to give this three times as much space because people come in costume. Costumes are bigger. You need more room for that. So, yeah, there's been a little bit of uh, those unusual muscles had to, had to get put back into shape but mostly I think we uh, we were very fortunate that we, we have a pretty dedicated core team and um, that we've been doing the show for a while we were able to kind of click it back in well, that's good, and, that, and that's the other part of it, right? Like, you didn't put on a show last year. You, you don't have any revenue coming in. That makes it, you know, really challenging for people that are in your kind of line of, of work. Yeah, look, it was, a, it was a tough year and a half for everybody. And I think in the events industry, you know, we were one of those industries that if, you know, everybody lost over 90% of their revenue. And so you were either in a, you know, in a position where you could weather that or, or you're not in business anymore. And, and that's always super tough. Um, and you've seen a lot of change in the convention landscape over the last year because of that. Um, companies selling off their assets, doing all sorts of stuff. And so, look, I think we're, we're fortunate in that we're we're all Angelinos. We're all pretty well entrenched in the community. Um, we just, you know, we, we hung together and, uh, you know, everybody tightened their belt. And we knew that it, we were hoping it wouldn't be longer than a year and a half. We made it through. And... Uh, um, and the fans were great. I mean, it was just, we tried to really keep the, the digital community going. We, we've got about 350,000 followers in Southern California on all our social media. We were doing newsletters every week. We were, when the stores were open, we were promoting the local comic books. So it was just like, let's try to all just get together and help each other out as much as we can. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'm going to skip down to my, to my last question, actually, because something you, you said there about the, the industry landscape. So I, you know, I've been covering shows for 10 years, and in that time, I've seen it explode. To the point where there's, you know, it used to be convention season. Now it's just year round, right? And instead of you know one show or two shows a month, it's a show every weekend, multiple shows, right? And now you're you're kind of fighting over talent, and I, I sort of feel like the bubble was maybe about to burst anyway. Can you speak at all to 
I mean, we say back to normal. We don't even know what back to, back to normal is, right? Yeah, right. At this point, um, but in a way, do you think it was almost necessary, almost like a, a time to sort of, you know, so not survival of the fittest, but a little bit of natural selection, you know? You know, I. I the th- I, I very strongly believe that the, the con business is highly regionalized. I don't think we compete with each other. Even when we're on the same weekend, there aren't 10 exhibitors or five talent that I absolutely want and somebody else on the same weekend absolutely wants. Um, with the exception of one or two shows that people will plan a vacation around, there's over 100 events in North America every year that are called something fill in the blank mm-hmm. Comic-Con. Right. Right? And... And most of them, including us, 90% of their attendees come from within 75 miles of where Mm. the show is. And so that means most exhibitors are local or semi-local. Almost all the attendees are local or semi-local. And I, you know, we spend a lot of time talking to the fans here about what they want to see here. You know, they love cast reunions, so we always have a lot of cast reunions. They love animation. They've been asking us to get more into anime and gaming. That's why we launched the anime and gaming hall here, and it's why we're going to do a whole show uh, behind it. We constantly are just asking, you know, this is this... LA is such a funny, mashup, eclectic market because there's so many cultural influences. There's mm-hmm. so many parts of the entertainment industry and the creators are here that we have the freedom to have, you know, we can have a show. I mean, we had a show five or six years ago with RuPaul and then the next year we had Weird Al Yankovic and then we can, but then we can have a Frank Miller or a Gerard Way, you know, and, and Stan, we had the business relationship with Stan for five years. So I think that's part of being in L.A. And um, so I, so to answer your question, I think if most shows stay true to the local fan base, they can pro- you could probably have 50, 75, 100 shows. I think what's been, what I've observed over the last few years is, you know, there are two companies that now own and run about 15 shows. Mm-hmm. And I think, and having been, having worked for a large trade show company, the challenge they're going to have is that when you're owned by a big company, they want to be efficient. And to be efficient, you, may, you need to make everything the same. And you have 15 shows in 15 parts of the country. The people that live in those cities don't want them to be the same. They want them to reflect their tastes. And what's going on in New Orleans is different from St. Louis, which is different from, you know, Florida or, you know, the Pacific Northwest. You have to have that flavor, I think, in it. And um, so that's what I fear for some of those shows that have, they're all a part of the bigger networks is that, that some sameness will, will come into it. Um, and look, at the end of the day, the fans are going to vote if they want to go and they don't want to go. But I think... I think it's a rich market and people love nerds love what they love and we're incredibly passionate about it and there's a lot of different genres and if you bring the right content together I think I think there could be 100 or 150 shows they just have to really stay connected to their fan base yeah I suppose uh, when you're pressed like I am and you travel around to all these different shows you know it's exactly like you're saying I don't want to go to four different fan expos in four different cities and they're all exactly the same what, what, what am I traveling for it. Well, I purposely didn't mention any names. um, But I will say it was a big reason why we decided to launch this new show, because the the voiceover artists, the ones that are the, the actors that are in anime and they're in games and they're in animation, felt like in the traditional con format, they weren't really getting to shine. They weren't really getting to show the full breadth of their talents because they're amazing performers. You would come and do four hours of autographs and a half hour of photos and be on one 30-minute panel. And so what we're doing is we're actually letting the talent 
influence what the format is of the show and we're going to do improv and we're going to do all sorts of other stuff that isn't normal for shows and I think that again is a very LA sort of thing is that we have this rich creative market we're going to let the creators create a little bit more of the show format and I think the fans will love that because I think it'll be more intimate and it'll be more real yeah I mean it's like you said why not take advantage of whatever regional access you have and obviously we're right next door to Hollywood, so exactly. Why not lean? Why not lean into that? And uh, and that being said, you know, we mentioned the, the main stage earlier, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure this is the only show I, I go to every year where the main stage <laughs> is such a part of the con floor and the con uh, experience. Right. And I don't ever see that changing. It 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 wouldn't feel like LA Comic Con without it. Well, you know, I am a big believer as a leader of an organization that you you take none of the credit and all of the blame, right? And that you you know, that's just what you do. But I will say, I will actually take credit. When I got involved in the show in 2012, the one thing that I insisted on was that we take the remote hall where the the cool stuff happened and we put it right in the middle of the show floor because what I hated as a fan I'm investing a day of my life to go to a show I want to do as much as I can possibly do and for you to tell me I have to leave the show floor go wait in line someplace for two hours in a hallway in the hopes that I'll get into seeing the cool stuff I just find that appalling. And so we just said, we're going to take the best stuff we got. We're going to put a huge jumbotron. We're going to put a great sound system. And we're going to put it smack dab in the middle of the show floor. And so is it a little noisier? Sure. Um, But what I love is we, you know, the biggest crowd we've ever had for something on the stage was um, Todd McFarlane and Stan Lee interviewed each other about five or six years ago. And by the time it was done, there were 12,000 people watching and listening it was it took over half the show floor but because of the way the stage is set up and the jumbotron the sensor everybody could see and hear um and so we have things that have 1500 people and then you know tom kenny comes out we do a spongebob panel and there's six thousand people but what's cool is you know you just got an autograph or you're shopping somewhere and you look and you hear and you go oh i want to see that you walk over you watch it you participate for half an hour you go back to your shopping I just think it's about the fan. That, to me, is the fan experience. And so that's why we did it, and that's why you will never see us move it off the main show floor. <laughs> well, like I said, it's something that's quintessentially uh, LA Comic Con, so that's uh, that's great. Now, uh, as we're chatting here, everybody, in the interest of full disclosure, it's, it's midday on, on Saturday, so we haven't had the full experience of, of the weekend yet. You, you had a, a you know a shortened day yesterday. I think it was 4 to 9, and, and uh, it's been going on for uh, about 4 or 5 hours today. Um, any sense of the the vibe of the show and how does it compare to before? Right. Well, I think um, I, I try not to do too much of the comparing to before stuff. I think the vibe, I think people are so happy to be here. And by people, I mean the fans who are coming, the exhibitors. I mean, our, the exhibitor base, you know, the, most of the companies that show at cons are small companies. They're individual artists. They're local retailers. They need these conventions for their business to work. And so they were amazing. Most of the people that are here today had signed up for the original convention, which was September of 2020. And every time we had to move, 99 point 
8% of them said, got it, I understand it, we're in for the new date. Got it, I understand it, we're in for the new date. Um, so I just think there's this sense of joy and relief that we that our community gets to get together again and that we get to see this cool stuff and watch stuff. And, um, and even though, you know, you're standing in one line to make sure you got your vaccine checked and then you go through the, you know, the security line and the magnetometer, you know, but then you're inside, you know, and we try to, to design all that stuff so that from beginning to end, it's no more than 20 minutes. Now you're in the show. I think everybody's just so happy to be here again that um, it's a little... It was. I thought it was a little giddy yesterday, actually, um, and the and we had about seven thousand people waiting to come in when, before we opened the doors today, um, and we're like, okay, now don't run, and they're like, okay, I won't run, but I want to get inside. So I think it's always a fun, charged atmosphere. I think the the prevailing sentiment at this show is just a, a sense of happy relief that that we could finally do this again. Yeah, and uh, I would tend to agree with you. Uh, the show floor, everybody's. I know they're smiling under their mask. You can see it. You can see it in their eyes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and and every exhibitor that I talk to, every artist, every creator, uh, yeah, they're just glad to be here because, like you said, you know, uh, it, for some of them, this is their revenue. This is how yeah. they make their living, and they and, and they haven't been able to. And and then how do you reach? You know, if you're small like that, how do you reach new customers? How do you grow your fan base? Well, by by getting some face time. <laughs> right. You know? Well, and you know, it's interesting. One of the things that we've really embraced the last two or three years is this idea that we're, we're clearly where your partner as a business partner on these three days when you come into the show. But we really want to help you improve your business all year long. So that's why we now have an online digital store that's called the Superfan Mall. Over 100 of our exhibitors have a year-round presence on that mall, and we do monthly promotions with our fans to go in and shop the mall. Um, we actually have a whole program going on at this show because we're partnering with a company that's launching a metaverse and getting involved in NFTs. We're doing a whole um, education program for all the artists in Artist Alley. What is an NFT? Why should I care about it? What does it mean for my art to be digital? How do I go about doing it? Um, because it's just that's what's changing in the market right now. And so we need to actively help the part, the business to business part of, of what we do, which is with all the vendors and the exhibitors. We just need to be there for them 365 days a year, not three days a year to help them grow their business and connect with their community. And and uh, and again, I think that's some of what we some of the technology that we're using to connect people. We we wouldn't have gotten into it as quickly as we did or as thoroughly as we did if it hadn't been for COVID. So in a sense, I think we'll look back two years from now and we'll say, wow, we're much farther along in that integration of, of live community and, and technological you know, assistance and complement than we would have been without it. Yeah, silver lining. Always got to. Yeah, look for exactly. That. Always got to look. For Had to be something lining. good that came out. Exactly. Of it. <laughs> uh, well, Chris, it's been great chatting uh, with you. Thanks for taking the time. Some really fascinating. I love your perspective on on the regionalness of the shows. I, I mean, like like I said, I've been doing this ten years, and I that had never really occurred to me. So that I find that to be uh, very informative. Uh, you mentioned the the new show coming July of, of July second third um, of twenty two Pasadena Convention Center. So it's called the Actors Voiceover Expo or AVOX A V O X, um, and it's uh, we're doing we're producing it in partnership with a company called PCB Productions, which is one of the leading companies that works with all the video game companies and the anime creators to do their voiceover tracks. And again, we I actually think I met the guy who runs it, Keith Aram, on a, a Zoom call <laughs> about eight months. <laughs> 
ago, and there were certain things we were talking about where we were like, hey, at the end, like, hey, let's have an offline conversation. And, and from that came the birth of this new show, which is an idea that he had had with the talent, but they hadn't quite figured out what to do with it yet. Um, it's, and there, there's, 50, there's 50 or 60 voice actors that are here with us helping us launch the West Hall, but we're going to have 150 actors um, at the show in July. Um, it's the same weekend as Anime Expo, so for the, the anime fans that are in town anyway, they can maybe shorten what they do there a little bit and come join us in Pasadena for a day. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be really fun because it can be a little bit more of a, of a, of a premium experience. We're going to probably cap attendance at six or 8,000 people. And so you're really going to get to, you know, there'll be workshops with 30 or 40 fans and the entire cast of their favorite game or their favorite show. I just think there'll be some energy to it that's, that's really different and additive to what cons are and, and um, so yeah so we're really excited about that and and uh, I just think we're we're glad that together as a community we're starting to come out on the other side of this thing and uh, and we're together and supporting each other more than ever that's that's fantastic and I, I agree with you on, on that premium experience when it's smaller like that you just get a, you know you get a little more face time it feels yep. a little more like, like family um, so you got a, a couple days and then uh, LA Comic Con will be over and then you immediately start planning for, for for next year, right? Do we have we, dates for 2022 yet? We will be in the fall. <laughs> <laughs> We're either going to be the first weekend in October or the first weekend in December. And uh, we, you know, this is the first time we've been in December. Um, and it's always been an issue in October because we're trying to not be on the same weekend as New York, and it, it gets a little crowded. So I'm hoping we're going to be the first weekend in December. We wanted to get through the show this weekend and see how it goes, but we'll either be the first weekend in October or the first weekend in December. Well, I will say, uh, you can do that first weekend in December. It's a great place to shop for gifts. Nerd Black Friday. That's what I always say. It's like we, if there is, if you love someone who's a nerd, you will not find any better place to come and do your, your holiday shopping than here. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, uh, Chris, best of luck with the rest of the show. Thank Thanks you. for taking the time uh, to talk to us. Everybody, I'll put a link to the LA Comic Con uh, website in the show notes, uh, and I'll put a link for the, the shopping mall that you mentioned as well, Chris. Terrific. Uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, again, thanks for uh, taking the time to, uh, to join me and to you listeners. Uh, thanks for the support. As always, we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.